Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. We are recording here at San Diego Comic-Con. Zach and I are both locals, so we get to be right here every single year. This year, there was an interesting panel. Last year, we had a lot less information. It wasn't super informative, but we learned a lot this year. Zach was there at Mark Rosewater's panel talking about Throne of Eldraine and some new changes that are coming a up in booster products. ton of changes. Basically, he like spaghetti through at the wall and just like hoped things would stick. He was like, please, everybody, like look at these things, tell people about them. And there's a ton of information. So do you want to go over like the booster packs? Yeah, I'm, I'm really going to quickly run through this booster information. And then Zach is going to dig into Throne of Eldraine, the fall set. Starting with Throne of Eldraine, there's going to be three new types of art treatments and or frame treatments that you can get for cards from Throne of Eldraine. So there are Borderless Planeswalkers, which are essentially what we saw in the Mythic Edition of War of the Spark, Guilds of Ravnica, and Ravnica Allegiance. It is art for Planeswalkers that extends all the way to the border, and it is different art from the art that is in the set. In addition to that, there's also extended art frames. Those can appear on several different rarities. It is the exact same art that is in the the regular version of the card, except it is extended all the way to the edge. Yeah, think like the box toppers art from uh, Ultimate Masters. Ultimate Masters, yeah. And then the final type is called the showcase frames. And the way I understand this, it is a little bit like masterpieces, but they are exclusively cards within the set. Yes. So it is a special kind of frame that is thematically connected to the world. So in the same way that the masterpieces from Amonkhet, they looked like Egyptian hieroglyphics Mm -hmm. or the masterpieces from Kaladesh all had that like... The filigree. Yeah, the filigree. Yeah. So these ones, another factoid, they can appear at any rarity and they replace the card of that rarity. So there are going to be common and uncommon showcase cards, and they can also be foil. So any of these cards can also appear at foil in a booster pack. And one interesting thing about the showcases for Throne of Eldraine, the art for these cards is very stylized. Generally, the magic art is like a hyper-realistic style. They want it to make it look like it's a real thing. But for the one showcase card that was showcased, the proportions are kind of strange. It looks like more of an illustration in a fairy tale book with like exaggeration than a real world location. I think that is the theme specific for Throne of Eldraine. I could imagine that they do other sorts of things with metaphorical or symbolic art with future showcases. This is not something they talked about the panel, but this is something they talked about online is that they've been designing more card borders. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like we only get one signature spellbook a year. Like why would they need to design so many? And now Now we we know why. why. Really quickly, I'm going to run through the different types of boosters that are going to be available starting with Throne of Eldraine. The first is going to be the draft booster, and that is exactly what you typically get in Mm -hmm. a booster pack of magic. So you will not be able to get the extended art cards, Mm -hmm. but you Mm -hmm. can get borderless planeswalkers and you will be able to get showcase cards in the typical draft boosters. 
In addition to that, there's also the theme boosters. And we saw these in the most recent Ravnica block. For Throne of Eldraine, they are themed to a color. So you can get one for white, blue, black, red, green. They are 35 cards, but it's all cards of that same color. They were very explicit in talking about how future sets can have different themes. It's not always going to be color-based. Something to note, they didn't say that this was targeted at newer players, but they said that this is for players that just want the cardboard. They said that if you want rares, you're going to have a better time getting the draft boosters or the next boosters (laughs) we're going to talk about. Yes, the final booster product that they're introducing is the collector booster. And they said this would be approximately $20 to $25 per booster. And you're going to have like much greater odds of getting the interesting treatments that they're introducing. All the spicy cards. A collector booster is going to have one rare or mythic rare, which will have extended art. There's also going to be a foil rare or mythic rare that won't have extended art. You might be able to get the extended foil in these packs too, but I can't remember. (laughs) Okay. There's going to be nine foil commons and uncommons, three special frame cards, which could be showcase cards or borderless planeswalkers, an ancillary card, and a foil token. That's a lot. Yeah. I know that (laughs) is a lot of information. We recommend that you check out the article that was recently released on the mothership that goes into all of these changes in detail, but that's just an overview in how booster products are going to be changing, starting with Throne of Eldraine. This is happening with Throne of Eldraine. This is not specific to Throne of Eldraine. Like Correct. This is just like what we're going to see going forward from now on. There's also one more thing. It's not actually a booster product, but they started it with M20, where they're going to give away promo packs as prizes for stores to give away, which come in both foil promo and non-foil promo packs, and the cards will have a stamp on them. It's four cards, a foil-stamped Mythic Rare Rare, a foil-stamped curated Mythic Rare Rare card from like a selected group of cards, an FNM promo, usually like one of the uncommons, and an arena promo card, basically, so that you can get a pack in arena. All right, that is all the information for boosters. Let's talk about Throne of Eldraine. The art is incredible so far. The panel started with just basically this huge art dump. I was trying to live tweet as much as I could. Please check out the Commander Theory Twitter. We are at Commander Theory, and you can see all of these pictures, and there's a lot that was shown Um, during the panel. Basically, the general idea of the set is Camelot meets Grimm's Fairy Tales. There's going to be a lot of tropes. They confirmed that there is a big bad wolf card. They did not say that it was going to be like legendary or rare or anything like that, but they said it would exist. There's like a picture of Goldilocks uh, and the three bears, but kind of like a different take on it. I'm just going to run through some of the pictures I've seen. So on the article on the mothership, we see Goldilocks, two different versions because there is the original version and then the showcase version. We also get to see what looks like a merfolk holding a sword. It looks like it's trying to evoke the lady in the lake from Arthurian legend. In addition to that, we have a gingerbread house. We have a gingerbread house Um, and we have a gingerbread man, like a very, very goofy looking gingerbread man. Yeah, the gingerbread man looks like something out of an unset. It's crazy that this is a standard legal booster product. Yes, it's so, so funny. They said that it almost got cut multiple times and I'm so excited to see what this guy does. Yeah, another piece of art I want to highlight. On the black theme booster, it looks to be a wicked stepmother. Oh, yeah. Tell us about some of the other pieces of art you've seen. Yes, so I actually don't know what this one is. Is this like the poison apple? It looks like a witch proffering a poison apple. Yeah, so there's a lot of cool, like, evocative tropes like that. But then also at the same time, there were the Camelot 
pictures. So there's a picture of like knights at a round table with their swords out. And in particular, we know one of the face planeswalkers. It's Rowan Kenrith from Battlebond is the face planeswalker of the set. And it turns out Rowan and Will Kenrith were the planeswalkers that were from Eldraine. Interesting. Um, which is super interesting. And they said that they were in this set before they were used in Battlebond. Huh. And they said that they knew that they were twins and that they were on this plane. Mm-hmm. And there's only three planeswalkers. So the planeswalker density we saw in War of the Spark is definitely not going to be yes. the norm. Yes, that's not going to be the norm. They said they're only going to use rare planeswalkers when they kind of feel it meets the needs of the set, which is sad. Because <laughs> <laughs> those ones were way more fun. But Rowan is the face card of the set. They had some splash art with her holding a sword and like casting a spell in the, like a red hood and some armor. So no mechanics and no cards, unfortunately, yes. were spoiled during this, uh, yes. this panel. Messed up. But we got a hint at what a mechanic might be. So this Goldilocks card that we're seeing, it has a very interesting frame treatment. And it looks like the text box is split and it looks almost like an open book. Yes. In the art that they showed at the panel for the Goldilocks cards, you can actually see like a mana cost. So the Goldilocks card in particular we know is a 1-2 for 1 green and is an uncommon. And then one of the pages on the book has 5 green green. That's probably some sort of cost. Yeah, yeah, some kind of maybe activated ability or some kind of cost to do something with this book frame. Not sure what that means. Maybe it's like a retooled level up. Hopefully, because I I think the gameplay of level up was fine. It was good, but like it kind of sucked in the card frame. Yeah, it confused (laughs) a lot of people. Like if you hand somebody a level up card for the first time, they're not going to have an idea like which power and toughness they're supposed to be referencing. But I like that they might be finding a way to do level up that is a little bit more intuitive. Yeah, hopefully like more intuitive, more evocative, and like just less clutter on the cards. Yeah, but this is completely speculation on our part, and it could be something totally different. Yes. In regards to spoilers too, they they said that they were not going to talk about the commander decks until Gen Con, which is August 1st through the 4th. So those are the first previews for Commander 2019 and also will be the only information (laughs) we get about Commander 2019 until Gen Con. (laughs) That's pretty uh, wild. (laughs) I I, want to briefly address, we have been made aware of the potential leaks surrounding the new Commander Precons. We're not going to discuss them, but We we are thinking about it. And as soon as the information is confirmed by Wizards, then we'll have plenty to talk about. But we're just sandbagging our analysis until we get confirmation. Yes. But overall, uh, the set themes, they said they kind of landed on Grimm's Fairy Tales, but it kind of ranges from some funnier Disney cards to the darker Grimm's stuff. And most of it looks like it's pretty grisly. (laughs) How how do you feel about this? What do you think of this theme? Is it something that resonates with you? This is something that me and friends have talked about for a long time. Lorwyn did not do a very good job of actually like executing on like fairy tale flavor. It had fairy tale aspects. It was like jaunty and it had fairies and like it had the races that had, you would expect in fairy tale. Yeah, but it did not have the tropes that you would expect. Yeah, in a fairy tale th- set. that's what really stuck out to me is like clearly they learned from Innistrad that it is really good for a set to be able to hit exactly on what people are expecting for a trope. Like it's not enough to just capture the atmosphere of a fairy tale world. You really need to be like hitting that is a gingerbread man and he's running around like the gingerbread man in the fairy tale. Yes. That's meaningful. 
do you think that this means that we probably won't ever go back to Lorwyn or Shadowmoor in a standard legal set? I, maybe not Shadowmoor, because Shadowmoor, I think, is... More the, popular? Yeah, more <laughs> popular, and the mechanical themes were stronger, or mm -hmm. or uh, played better, where Lorwyn, like, Morningtide draft is famously the draft that started New World Order. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a lot of baggage with going back to the Lorwyn Morningtide side of Lorwyn Shadowmoor. And I think that this is a very good way for them to do that top-down, kind of build these cards from a resonant flavor standpoint and really like execute on something cool. Yeah, I am really happy about this. Shadowmoor is in my top three planes yeah. for sure. <laughs> I'm very happy about this. I'm, I'm happy that we're able to uh, explore these tropes and this flavor uh, because it really seemed like we weren't going to be able to go back to Shadowmoor anytime soon. Yes, so I think what we're going to see is like we've seen with Kamigawa where it's like a plane that there's a, a very vocal minority of players that want to go back. I think we're going to see more Lorwyn cards or, and or themes in like supplemental sets or in commander sets and stuff like that. That's my guess. My guess is they're just going to kick it under the rug because I think that <laughs> it feels like everything that people liked about Lorwyn Shadowmoor is being transplanted into this world and being done better. I honestly would hope that that is the case. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if you really like Lorwyn. Yeah, I'm, but no, I'm, the fact that like they reskinned changelings to be like completely different and on a completely different world, yeah. it really seems like they're trying to forget <laughs> Lorwyn Shadowmoor. Yeah. Mark Rosewater was very, very excited about all of this. <laughs> so uh, I am also very excited. Over the years, I've kind of been able to note the difference between when he's actually pumped for a set and when he's forcing it uh -huh. a little bit. We've kind of seen a few of these cycles at this point to see when the team is really behind something. And I think that this is one of the ones that they're actually excited about. One thing I've really got to say is I can't wait to see the rest of the art from this set because... This seems like this set was tailor-made for Seb McKinnon. Yes, he I can't has a think, bunch of art in the set, they've said. I can't think of a better theme for a plane to get Seb McKinnon to really knock it out of the park. I mean, we've already seen so like some of the splash art, so like art that's not on the card, but it'll be on the bundle and some of the other promotional material is Seb McKinnon. <laughs> <laughs> they've already got a few of them, and it looks awesome. So... God, I love that gingerbread man. Yeah, the gingerbread man. He's he's just got cream smeared all around his lips. He's breaking out of the laughing maniacally. Window. It's very, very good. So another interesting piece of news to come out of the Comic-Con panel is that Throne of Eldraine will also feature pre-constructed brawl decks for tabletop play. And each of those decks is going to have seven mechanically unique new cards. I tried to get a little bit more clarification from Gavin Verhey about it. So I was asking if there's plans for more Brawl precons following the release of the ones for Eldraine or if it's just like an experimental thing. And I also wanted to know like if Brawl precons are going to be a once per year product like the Commander precons or are they going to coincide with each standard legal set? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Gavin's answer was basically like, I'll be putting out an article in a couple days. So we'll get an answer soon, but we do not have an answer for you yet. Don't know quite yet, but just seeing him on the floor, he was very excited. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very fun. I think that these Brawl Precons are going to be a great thing for Commander. Legendary creatures that are just released through standard sets don't always play well as Commanders yeah. because they have to meet the needs of the set. Sometimes they have to compromise because of limited themes or space issues or whatever. So... Putting legendary creatures out in Brawl Precons 
means that they're going to be designed specifically to sit in the command zone. They don't have any other competing priorities. I expect that like these new legends are going to see a lot of play in commander as well. Mm-hmm. I, I would really hope that like because they're going to be hopefully set specific that we'll get commanders that use the set mechanics. Yes. And like actually support the use of set mechanics. So like we won't have like a Kaladesh again where there's no energy commander. Yeah. Just none. Or like, here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. What do you think of cycling as a mechanic? I mean, I like cycling. I think that you could do a lot of stuff just because it's discard. So it's so open-ended. You can do so many cool things with it. Or like whenever you cycle a card, whenever you discard a card. Yeah. (laughs) And there's lots of good cycling cards, but... We just had cycling in Amonkhet and mm-hmm. there was no cycling commander. Yeah. I would love to make sure that like all the cool mechanics we see, they put out a brawl precon that like makes use of that mechanic and builds around that mechanic yeah. so that people can use it in a fun, casual format. I also think that these could do well even if people don't play brawl if the commanders are good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if people are buying them for the cards and like maybe not necessarily playing brawl as a format this might still just be a net win, like a net positive. Yeah, I think this seems great. Like more opportunities to introduce new legendary creatures is great. I can think of a potential downside to the Brawl precons though. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, this might be just a little nitpicky, but Brawl decks are 60 cards. So obviously significantly less than 100 cards for Commander. And that means that viability thresholds and, and critical masses are different in Brawl than they are in Commander. So, for example, if you want a 75% chance of drawing a given effect, like, whatever, a zombie, in the first three turns of a commander game, then you need to run around 12 cards with that effect. And here on the show, we often call that a critical mass. Mm -hmm. In Brawl, if you want a 75% chance of drawing a given effect in the first three turns of a game, you only need to run about seven cards with that effect. For this reason, like it's totally possible that they might make a precon commander that is built around a set mechanic and it works in Brawl just because of how the numbers work out. Like you just need fewer good cards to make the deck viable. Yeah. And then somebody tries to transition that to commander when it rotates out of standard and suddenly like they're not able to do the thing consistently. Because I, I really do view Brawl as a potential on-ramp for new commander players. Yeah. Like it's the similar gameplay, but a much less complex and smaller card pool. Like You don't have to know as many mechanics. Mm-hmm. You really only have to know standard in order to play Brawl. But it's a, it's a great way to transition. Like, okay, I know these cards because I play standard, but I'm learning this new style of gameplay. And then the next step is like, I know this style of gameplay, and now I'm going to learn all the card pool in commander Mm -hmm. which is a daunting task but it still helps you with that difficulty curve yeah another potential effect of these brawl precons is creating more planeswalkers that work well as the head of a deck yeah so not only are legendary creatures legal for use as your commander in brawl but planeswalkers are or standard legal planeswalkers i remember that was the first thing i did with brawl was just to, like make a bunch of planeswalker decks mm-hmm. just to see how they played and it was fun to have a planeswalker as a commander not all of them did a lot mm-hmm. especially standard planeswalkers sometimes i think if they're building like these brawl precons to have specific commanders that maybe we will see planeswalkers in those spots and maybe those planeswalkers will be cooler build arounds also in the same vein as like these rare planeswalkers we've seen Yeah, I'm hoping that good 
Planeswalkers designed to be good commanders and distributed in pre-cons, easily accessible to people. I like the idea of socializing the commander player base to see Planeswalkers as commanders because we recently talked about a survey that had over 10,000 respondents. It was the... The commander community... Climate survey? Yeah. And they're going to start doing this like once or more a year, I think, to people who put it together this time, which would be awesome (laughs) yeah oh here we go the first annual uh commander climate survey there you go so that had over ten thousand respondents and three-eighths of the respondents said that they were in favor of allowing planeswalkers as commanders so granted that's still a minority but i think that as players are socialized to see planeswalkers as commanders through this like increasing visibility of brawl through these brawl pre-cons and the next piece of news that we're going to talk about. I think that that number is probably going to increase, and maybe over time, the rules committee is going to see like half the format wants this, or more than half the format wants this. So maybe we should consider making the change. And especially once people build a brawl deck around a planeswalker, and then it gets to rotation, mm-hmm. and like they try to port it to commander and find out that that's not allowed, that's not fun like your entire deck gets obsoleted yeah yeah all of a sudden you gotta just throw it in the garbage yeah and that's not the case with the legendary creatures that you build in brawl Mm -hmm. and i know that it's like wizards who is setting this horizon on when brawl decks rotate out but really like the the rules committee does have a role in terms of determining how those decks can segue into commander and how brawl players can be converted into commander players and if planeswalkers aren't legal as commanders then it just makes that road a little bumpier and i really think that one of the responsibilities of the rules committee is to ensure the long-term health of the format and like that new players are interested and attracted to commander okay what is the last piece of news we heard regarding brawl the last bit of news about brawl is that 1v1 brawl is coming to arena later in the year and that honestly is huge one of the things about Brawl is that no one was playing it. So even the people that wanted to play it couldn't find anyone, find anyone to play it. If they do Brawl events on Arena or if it's like the budget option, instead of like paying gems for a draft, you have these Brawl queues going, then all of a sudden you're going to get a lot more people playing it, especially like new people, because that is a huge demographic for Arena right mm-hmm. now, is people who like, oh, I've heard about Magic, Let, let's give it a shot or something like that. And a lot of new people or people who are very casual players go on and play Arena. So Brawl is pretty much tailor-made for these people. So I think that if they do do this, they do support it on Arena, we'll see probably a lot of these changes actually take hold, uh, yeah. whereas Paper Brawl has not as far as everyone can tell. <laughs> yeah, I think that the matchmaking of Arena is going to make Brawl way more attractive to people. And also, like, the people who are coming into Magic through Arena, they are immediately exposed to Brawl. Like, mm-hmm. that could potentially be a pathway into Commander. Before we go, I want to answer a question from one of our listeners that's related to the the news we got today. Yeah. What are y'all's thoughts on the newish way of producing sets where will only spend like one set on a given plane and then move on do you want to spend at least two sets on a plane or or like what are the benefits of just spending a single set on a plane this is a personal opinion but i don't actually like staying on like a plane for too long i think like story-wise it's fine personally i like the variety i'd rather Mm -hmm. we get to 
see new worlds in part because like these days whenever they visit a world they are setting things up for the next revisit yeah and so like i the the more time we spend on each individual plane the more time between one set and like finding out what happens with all these plot threads and cliffhangers that they've set up for themselves like for example i would really like to go back to dominaria and have teferi phase zalfir back in yeah and get to like really explore jamura and the african influences on dominaria but if we do more years like the one we just had, where it's like we're going to spend three sets mm-hmm. on a single plane, it's going to take forever for Dominaria yeah. to come back up in the lineup. Yeah, no, that's true. I agree with you story-wise. I think at a baseline level, though, as long as the cards are changing, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want new cards. Well, let me ask you, were you not a little burnt out on Ravnica by the end of this uh, year? No, I totally the mechanics was. were changing? I mean... I'm, I, I was pretty burnt out on Ravnica, just says like the aesthetics. When Mark Rosewater talks about designing a game, he will say like, you want to make sure it ends before people get tired of it. And I think that that's absolutely true with staying on a single plane. And I would much rather be left like wanting more. It's like, oh my God, Eldraine is so cool. I, I really wish we could spend more than a single set on it. Like that's a little bit of a disappointment, but it's still like a better feeling than like, I am exhausted by Ravnica. <laughs> I never want to see a Zonot again in my life. The burnout is real, especially this last year. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my opinion. But that's a, a great question that came to us from one of our Patreon patrons, Addison. So thanks for providing that question, Addison. And if you want to generate questions that we will answer live on the air, then you can go ahead and join our Patreon. But I think that's all we had to talk about today. It seems like a very promising set, and I can't wait to see more of it. I'm assuming we're going to get some information at Gen Con as well. And speaking of upcoming events, I just want to let you all know that Zach and I are both going to be at Magic Fest Vegas coming up in the latter half of August. August, yeah. So if you are planning to be there, please hit us up on Twitter or Tumblr. We would be so down to jam some games with you all. Yes, We're going to be at the Commander Party. Yes, we're going to be at the Commander Party. I'm going to be hanging out in the Command Zone. Yeah, I'm also going to be in the Command Zone across the weekend. (laughs) Please come find us. We'll be handing out swag if you'd like to get some. So uh, definitely hit us up if this is somewhere you're planning to be. All right. Uh, Before we go, I want to thank our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Amond, Addison, Arthur, Mason, Will, Elvis, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Casey, Brock, Tom, The White Clays, and Aubrey. Thank you all for supporting the show. We keep the lights on here in the studio. And if you are not currently a patron but would like to become one, you can check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr the opening song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check him out on soundcloud we'll talk to you guys next time 